You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. Shalom. This is To Stir With Love, Tales from Prison, with Rabbi Yitzchak Kolakowski. Um, tell me again what your title is. I, I get it wrong all the time. Tell me again what your title is. Koblenzeruv. <laughs> the Koblenzeruv. Yeah, for the Koblenzerevists, that's not the reason why we have this show. We have uh, show because uh, all... <laughs> they used to be facility chaplaincy program director, and they took the facility out of it. You are now so the you're the chap, chaplaincy, you are the, chaplaincy program director. Uh, CPD. Okay. Yeah. All right. Not to be confused with Mayberry RFD. <laughs> yes, Ravitsa Kalikowski, who is the head of chaplaincy there and all things connected to uh, the religious and spiritual life of the inmates in Weimart and, of course, Weimart and beyond. Um, Rebutzkok, I know that um, we're, we are uh, just finishing off Rosh uh, Ear here, and we're in Bay's Ear, Chaydish Haziv. But we know that this month is special uh, for billions of people, I guess, all over the world. Uh, it is the month of Ramadan, and, um, and it, which has a special relevance in your prison. But why don't you give us a little background about the Chashivas of Ramadan? So there, there's a lot of misinformation about Ramadan, but there's also a lot of information. And in general, Ramadan is actually not the, it's, it, many people assume it must be the holiest month in the Islamic calendar, but actually I believe it's called uh, Mahram or Mukram is holier than Ramadan. I think Ramadan might even be the third or fourth holiest month. I'm not sure the names of all the Islamic months, but I know that there the there's the the one month when they make the Hajj, different right. things like that. So uh, so Ramadan is not the holiest month of the Islamic calendar, but it is it, in a way it's almost like their Shavuos Lahavdil. It's it's when they re, when uh, uh, they say that Muhammad received the the Quran. It was that uh, the the Malach Gabriel was uh, Malach Jibril, uh revealed to him was Megala the the Quran. And uh, that's during so that's, the whole month. During the whole yeah, month of Ramadan. Yeah. And it, and it, I I'm I'm not that familiar, but I believe it wasn't all in one year. I believe it was perhaps over several years taking place during Ramadan. I hear. And so it, why does it lead to the Muslims abstaining from something and abstaining from a lot of uh, material pleasures during this month? Is that because really? Muhammad himself went was like Moshe Rabbeinu, our boyim yoyim shel mayim lishosa velechem leichel? It's like to be honest, I really don't know. I I know it's one of the one of the pillars of Islam is is psalm, like like we say tzoyim, it's a cognate, and uh, to fast during Ramadan and. That that's a, a requirement. I, I think there also are. I think there also are players from Tashmish Amita, I think during this yeah, whole period yeah. as well. Not not the whole month, just during the day. Uh-huh. So, so it's uh, just just like the uh, like the Chazal say, also l'shamish mitose beyoyim. Unless you're yeah, a Talmud so Chacham, that could be miskaseh be'afeva, miskaseh. So it would it would seem that they 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 allow 
the rest of the year they would allow during the day. It's just a. Uh, it's uh, just that the but, but it is pretty impressive that they that many uh Muslims, even ones that are not what you would call adukim, the most from, keep Ramadan. It's almost like you call it like Shavuos. I, I always thought it was sort of like Yom Kippur in the sense that even Muslims that are sort of not as extreme or not as religious or don't medactic Ramadan seems to have a lot of a universal acceptance in Islam. Am I right Absolutely. about that? Yeah. yeah. Yes. It's it, it, you know people come out of the woodwork that might not go to Juma every Friday, but when it comes to to Ramadan, they really and then the Eid al Fatir that comes afterwards, they really uh, it, it, you know. So it's sort of similar to the uh, the Arboyim Yom that we find um, various menhagim and Sfardish Kehilas and other places mentioned in Shulchan Aruch to fast the forty days before Yom Kippur. Um, Ramadan ends with uh, is that the Eid? That's when the um... Eid al Fitr is the is the Eid. The, there are two Eids in the year. There's Eid al Fitr and Eid al Adha, also known as Eid al Korban. So the Eid al Fitr means you know like like uh, iftar is when they finish fasting, and it's again a cognate of words we know like niftar and and maftir. And, and, and of course, Adayim is the is the first mission of Odazara. Aleph Yudalit is the term for the holidays of the non-Jewish world. So I I, I asked because in in Arabic there's the Aleph and the Ayin, and the I asked the Imam. He said that their their id is with the Ayin, not with the Aleph. Well, that's the first sugyan yeah. of Odazara. Is it yeah. Adehen or Edehen? Right. Either right. way, it yeah. seems clear that I'm, I'm learning of Odazara now. And but I mean the word Yom Adam and Adehem in in Tanakh usually means a day of. Of uh, Tsaris and I understand, but I'm saying Chazal were aware of the double meanings. Yeah, Chazal used it as a yeah, as a double entendre in the sense of you know they. So so we shouldn't be surprised to find, but it's sort of like a big Moitzim Kipper fad, like a big Moitzim Kipper Suda that is at the end of of Ramadan. It it actually lasts three days. (laughs) Well, after they've been fasting, I guess it's yeah. And um, and 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 I bring oh, no, this no, up no. not just people who are listening here shouldn't think that this is the Imam uh, Kolakowski show. <laughs> the reason why I'm bringing this up is because from previous conversations I've had with you, and that people who have listened to this program know that you have very good relations with the imams that service uh, Waymart, and you have a, a a pretty large percentage of of Muslim uh, inmates, correct? Waymart, I, I, compared to other prisons, our our population is smaller than than other prisons. There are many prisons in the in the DOC where Islam is the predominant religion. Uh, in our in our prison, uh, we have more Catholics and Protestants. Our largest group would be the Protestants, and then I, probably the next largest group would be those with no religion at all, nothing identified, and then Catholic and then Muslim. Okay, uh, but but as far as being active, from the three largest religions of of uh, Protestant, Catholic, and Muslim, the Muslims would be the most active. Whereas the the Protestants, you'll have a little bit less than a, I would say a quarter of the, uh, again pre-COVID, a little bit less than a quarter of the of the Protestant population would show up for church Sunday morning. And probably less than a fifth or a sixth of the Catholic population would show up for church. They usually would have mass on Saturday, 
Um, whereas the Islamic community, it would be close to half on a regular, uh, a regular Juma Friday, we'd have probably close to half of the, of the popul of the Muslim population show up for, for Juma every Friday. So, so they, as far so as they I, are, so they are, even though in number wise, um, they are not as uh, strong, but in terms of intensity, in terms of involvement, and therefore your connection to them, you have more connection to in that way. It might be less Islamic numbers of people, but you deal more uh, with Islamic uh, people of the Islamic faith than you would even people of the Christian faith. And the, the other thing is, of course, I'm never there on Saturday, and I'm very rarely there on Sunday. So if I, you know, I I don't really have the opportunity to be present when the, when there's a church service, unless it's a holiday, it's a Catholic holy day of obligation. Sometimes, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be in the building when that's going on. I'll be there maybe for a Bible study or something. And even that, I'm usually not because it's at night and, or it was pre-COVID. Whereas the Juma Friday, usually I, I'm, I'm there, you know, when they're, okay. when they're having so, so I, and, know, I'm in my office. And, and I think it's worthwhile mentioning here, and I we, we talked before we, even though it sounds like most of what we do is like totally off the cuff and completely unscripted, I know from conversations I had with you before we started recording that, um, that uh, you, you know, you uh, find, uh, you, you, not, you interact with uh, the, the Muslim uh, inmates and um, you actually finding that they are, um, you know, despite whatever crimes or reasons they've been there, uh, you find that they are, uh, in a way, well served by the fact that, uh, that they are adherents uh, to the Islamic religion. They act in a, in a, in a, in a way which we would say in Hebrew is derecheretz uh, in other ways, right? You'd say that. Yeah, and, and, and in general, uh, the the prison in general, the, the the guards we don't use the word guards, but the the COs, they have a certain level of respect for for the Islamic communities and the and the food service people. Like when it comes to the, the Id, they they appreciate like the derecherets that they have that they that they always are uh, polite and and thankful and the. Uh, and uh, you know, and and you know, whereas some of these other groups might be uh, <clears throat> making lawsuits because things are not the way that they want it to be, uh, the Islamic community they tend to be rather peaceful and polite, and and <clears throat> since since they treat others with respect, they gain they gain that respect from from the others. It's all it's very rare to hear any anti-Islamic. Uh, now, now, you know. now, we know that um, it, it's, I don't know if it's a chok um, but I know certain aspects of religious Islam demand certain types of um, physical appearance. Is there, is there, for example, uh, an isr on shaving? Are they supposed to grow their beards out? Are they supposed to, um, is that part of being a... That, it dep that depends on the community, so... The funny thing is, is our imam is, uh, well, we now have a new imam now um, recently because uh, the imam who was there when I, when I started, he got a job full-time in the federal prison. 
And then one of his friends who was volunteering with him, we gave him the job here, but again, nobody's, nobody's coming in because of COVID, but he, uh, they both are Turkish and they're, uh, they're followers of the Gulen movement, which is a... It's not Shiite or Sunni? It's a, it's a type of Sunni that is uh, particularly a, a, a Turkish movement that is banned in Turkey. They were seen as, uh, as political upstarts. And in a certain way, uh, part of it, I think, is because they're too moderate. They're, they're extremely moderate. They're very into education and, in, and into interfaith work which would seem to fit well into the Turkish culture, but Erdogan really wants this uh, uh, Imam Fethullah Gulen, he wants him dead, but he has refuge in the Poconos. He lives in, uh, I think it's called Whitehaven, Pennsylvania, near Allentown, and really the Lehigh Valley, that area. And he has somewhat of a compound, and it's almost, he's almost like a Hasidic Rebbe, you know, and the way that they venerate him and they, they look up to him and the way that they live in that community, it's really like a koilo. If you if you sit and learn all day, you get paid a stipend and and uh, that, that's encouraged. And so they have, I think, about 50 men who sit and learn all day. Uh, they whatever do, they do the med, they, they learn the um, uh, the Tereshev al the hadith, the sunnah, the Sharia, yeah, and they and they they're scholars, but they're nice. also they're also uh, encouraged to to have secular education, to get a master's degree, and things like that. But uh, this uh, they call him Mr. Gulen because he he's retired from being an imam. He himself uh, only learned in madrasas. He never really had a secular education, but he really pushes it, and he has followers all over the world. He has a few million followers in Texas. So, um, comes, so this uh, uh, Imam Galen comes to Waymart? He had been no, to... no, his, his students. His students come. And, yeah. And, and, and are, are the, 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 you know, this population... Uh, and uh, also that you asked about the beard, that's why, so... Oh, yeah, so go Petula, ahead. Petula is clean-shaven, he just has a mustache. And so most of, so to most of the Turkish, the Turkish custom is not to grow a beard. A lot of it has to do with because uh, Islam was really pushed down in Turkey uh, by the young Turks and and by the secular government in Turkey. Uh, They weren't allowed to wear a fez. The women weren't allowed to wear a hijab. So the mustache was sort of a a partial partial appearance of what a a real Islamic person should look like. Yeah, so our previous imam, before he he got uh, promoted to federal prisons, he told me that he only grew a beard so that the inmates should respect him. Because again, our, our imam is just the sweetest person, a gentleman. And I would listen to his chutva, his, his drosha on, by, on Friday, and he'd talk fire and brimstone, jehinnom, and this and that. And I was like, imam, this isn't you. He said, no, it's not me. This is what they want to hear because they're Salafi. And again, Salafi are also Sunni, but... Uh, People are familiar with the Wahhabi movement, where a lot of the terrorists come from the Wahhabi movement, which is a type of Salafi. But within Salafi Islam, you have different groups. So the Salafi want to, they're almost like the Dardaya. They want to remove anything that's, uh, I don't know if you know about the, the I, Of course I know about the Dardaya. Those yeah. are the, from Yemen. Those yeah. are the ones who basically... Uh, those are the Yemenites who reject uh, the mystical 
and other sorts of insertion of ideas they felt came from Europe. They would like to have the pristine sense of what the Yemenite Jew was, which they feel is closer to what the original Jew was. And that, and that's, they feel and that's, the Yemenites were polluted. Um, uh, Rav, Ka, Rav Kapach uh, right. was from that Geza, and Rav Kapach, who emigrated to, to Eretz Yisrael, of course, em, was emblematic of uh, restoration of the pure uh, Temoni Derach, as opposed and that, to... And, and that would be a, a good uh, a, a good dogma for the Salafi. They want a, a pure type of Islam, and they believe that a lot of baggage came through history, and they want to return to the original ways of how it was in the time of Muhammad. In other words, right, history meaning the sense as Islam spread, as much as you have Dari al-Islam, that somehow it becomes part of the Borg in a way, but not really. Unlike the Borg, where uh, you sort of like are sublimated towards a certain body, uh, in Islam, the reality of human beings are they sort of took on some of the more, I guess, um, laissez-faire or bourgeois customs uh, of the areas around them. So even though they technically they technically were were Muslims, but we would call more like modern Orthodox Muslim. In a, in a well, I, I, to a certain extent, but also to a certain extent, it was a type of. Um, I, I would I would I would see it more like they. Um, they, they, a lot, a, a big buzzword in Islam is the difference between religion and culture, and so they basically the this group, the the Salafi, want to reject anything that's cultural and and only focus on those things that are religious. So in a certain way, again, that's that doesn't mean the comparison with the uh, modern Orthodox is maybe and and it's not really so apt because. You know, we see that like the Dardaim, they want to reject things, the Kabbalistic things and so forth that they they see, you know, as... Uh, I understand. I, uh, I, 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 what I'm saying is, is that again, and, and, when we know, talk about the Pasha and others who were in Constantinople and others, we know that, that, that many of them didn't live the austere um, life that we expected from, you know, the, 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 the teachings from Muhammad, from the Quran. Um, and, you know, we, just like in, 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 in the Torah world, there's different streams. We know that, you know, uh, the Meyachadim in the time of the Rambam and others, there's always been these fundamentalist uh, movements to sort of like go back to whatever Islam meant. Tell me the, uh, the, 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 the Islamic inmates, are they uh, black yeah, the vast majority of our of our inmates are are black, and uh, uh, from the Islamic community, we have once in a while you have one one white guy, and we have a few you know real Arabs, um, one Syrian, one one uh, Egyptian, but the vast majority are black, and probably historically these communities there it, it's a particular type of uh, of Salafi Islam that is really strong in Philadelphia and it's uh, Philadelphia, Germantown, those areas have this very distinct African-American, specifically African-American uh, Islamic Salafi culture that to a certain extent grew out of people who were originally part of Elijah Muhammad's group, part of, part of that group, their ancestors were, and then they, 
they broke off of that. Well, you say ancestors. We're only talking about three or four generations. But we're talking, yeah. again, just to let people know that, uh, you know, Elijah Muhammad and other uh, African-American, um, at that point, Negro leaders, as they were called, um, uh, recognized uh, the power of Islam and how it spoke. Because as we know, <laughs> swaths, great swaths of Western Africa were were Muslim, were primarily Muslim. So it didn't take much for people who grew up as American, you, you know, the grandchildren of slaves to, re, of course, reject the slave names, reject Johnson, Jefferson, and Jackson, which were all the names of the, the masters that the freed slaves had, and to discover uh, a legacy that took them back, maybe not to the African tribes, the Zulus and, or, 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 or those tribes, but took them back to the, the Africans that had converted, you know, whatever, a thousand years ago to Islam. And uh, this, even, this... even though a lot of those were the slave traders themselves. <laughs> yes, because... we, right, right. But again, in terms of serving the mythos that Elijah Muhammad pushed, that this was a way to free yourself from, uh, from the, um, the, the image of uh, the African being this subdued, um, uh, you know, yes, uh, master, you know, uh, total uh, ignoramus that was just unlearned. He used the Islamic religion and the greatness of the Islamic religion to bring a tremendous amount of pride and discipline to the African American community. And of course, even though, even though the theology that that he espoused was very foreign to Islam. Yes, and and again, this was this has been documented, but once that sort of took root um, in various African-American communities in the Northeast um, and in the big urban centers. So it became quite uh, normal for people whose grandparents were, you know, were Jackson and Jefferson and Johnson to now uh, sport uh, Arabic names and to, and to becoming quite religious. And also one, and also once Malcolm X, Converted to to Sunni Islam, a lot of people uh, went, followed him in a sense, you know, uh, into into the traditional Orthodox Sunni Islam. Uh, and of course, but, but Malcolm, of course, preached a, a a separateness similar to Elijah Muhammad originally. I mean, he was definitely, uh, you know, his famous quote about when Kennedy got shot. You know, that the everything is coming back to roost. That there was, you know, as much as you know. Um, there was a, an insistence of nonviolence up to a point and a discipline and in terms of uh, uh, a, a very strict style of dress and mannerism. It was in a way, you know, a quite militant in some fashion, correct? Yes. But once, once uh, he made the Hajj, he, he abandoned a lot of his racist ideology and, and abandoned, and, you know, accepted more or less the idea of the, the universal Ummah, and not only uh, not only blacks could be part of the Ummah, you right. know, and, and, and abandon the black separatist ideology that was. That and was again, started. actually, this is all one big commercial, of course, for uh, Spike Lee's very very good film, uh, Malcolm X. Um, I don't like, you know, I know that Spike Lee um, was a uh, he politicked to get this directorship. He insisted 
that he had to be, or it had to be an African American who directed this film. I know that, um, but I think it's, I think it is, I think it holds together. I know you're not into watching three-hour epics. Um, uh, yeah, it's so hard. But, but I, I do think it's. I have used in my teaching, I have used uh, Malcolm X, uh, Spike Lee's film, uh, to teach about what a Rebbe is and what a Rebbe shouldn't be and what does it mean to macabre from a Rebbe and how to change. I think there's a Malcolm X's life, you know, Alex Haley got understood that he had an incredible story. Uh, Malcolm's story indeed is quite incredible and, um, you know, overshadowed of course by Martin Luther King consistently, but definitely a story that that's interesting. Now in terms of Waymart, would you say that the, you know, the African-Americans who are there are, are, would be similar to what was depicted in, um, in, 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 in Spike's film, um, uh, you know, basically, you know, the ad- adherence to the Sunni style that Mal- that Malcolm preached, or is it a little bit different? Well, they they adopted, like I said, this particular Salafi approach. This this is what became dominant, and they and they're very insistent. You know, there's no other approach. Meaning, they 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 pretty much don't consider anybody who is not Salafi to be a true Muslim. And now, that's what, now, what, what the two things I think our listeners be interested in is number one, obviously you represent, present yourself as a very obvious Jew. You say you get along well with them. It never comes up. The fact that you're Jewish, the fact that there's the state of Israel, the fact that Jews and, 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 and Muslims are at war with each other. Does that, well, does that figure with your really, dealings with them, it really, it really doesn't. But uh, that, you know that I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna take the fifth about anything with that. But it, it happens that it doesn't, you know. But uh, what about the other elephant in the room, which is um, they're in prison? So you know, what did they? What, you said on this program that many of the prisoners you deal with are sex offenders. Is that the case with the Muslim prisoners as well? No, no, it's very rare. I mean, so, and. It, and if they are, it's more likely to be um, an adult victim than a child victim. So what gets them, uh, without give, telling us too many tales, what, what sort of thing would the, would a Muslim prisoner, who's a religious, serious Muslim, what would what, what would land them in prison? A lot, a lot of these people were not so religious before they came. They 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 were Muslim before. Uh, uh, the vast majority of them did you know did not convert, uh, despite the. Uh, stereotype of that people convert to Islam in prison the vast majority of them were Muslim but not so devout and they got in trouble when they and now they really are using this to turn their lives around so they're really discovering their discovering what their parents would have wanted them to live like yeah I mean a lot of them they scribe because we have, uh, you know, the vast majority throughout the DOC of anybody who is having a kosher meal is going to be Muslim. And uh, what, so when I interview them, I have to ask them, you know, when did they, when did they make their shahada? You know, when did they convert? And most of them say that they, they accepted the shahada as children, but they uh, kind of went off the derech and they're, and they're trying to go back. Uh, I so see. And um, Shahada. So I, 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 I'm sure, you know, as I am, that they're very happy that you're able to be conversant in many of the, of the terminologies that they uh, that they embrace. And 
In fact, you show so much, so much respect to it. And this was really the point that we were making before we started recording. And I think it's a very important one. I've been teaching history for, for many years. I'm 61 years old, and I've been teaching Jewish history for 44 years, 44 years, I think. And I know you are definitely a devotee of, of history. And, and I think part of what, the reason why we wanted to speak about this, because as, as much as we're here talking on Yom HaZikaron, um, where in Eretz Yisrael they are mourning and crying and bemoaning and probably uh, ripping their hearts out over uh, an entity that they view as the Amalekian uh, Islamic world. Uh, they see as the, the, the radical Islam has morphed into another aspect of Amalek to, to preach destruction and murder of, 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 of Jewish children and Jewish adults and destruction of the state of Israel, which is definitely true that there's a, a, a section of that that is doing that. There definitely is a radical part that in many ways runs a lot of the media and the propaganda outlets in the Middle East. I think both of us know from our history and from our interactions that the majority of Muslims uh, are, whether they're Jew lovers or not, but they are peaceful and they uh, ascribe to Midos and their inheritance and things that we actually can find a great affinity to, and uh, which was the case, of course, you know, in many many communities, including even Eretz Yisrael, where the 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 Muslim uh, members of the uh, of the community and the Jewish members of the community actually you know dance together on Simchas Torah, you know, by the by the Avram from Avram Mikalisk, they came to see uh, the Menachem Mendel Vitebsk and Avram Mikalisk. They talk about the Muslim people who came to get brachas and everything and dance together on Simchas Torah there. So I think part of why we want to talk about this is to sort of, you know, contrast um, uh, the the image of the Muslim as being evil and 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 full of hatred, and actually mm-hmm. to 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 see it as actually as a religion, like the Rambam says, a religion that really got it right in terms of. How do think of God? Not I mean, yeah. The Rambam says leave them l'shemaim, even if their ancestors were if they were Zara, but leave them l'shemaim. Their heart is is to shemaim. But uh, I I I'll tell you I uh, maybe I'm wrong, but I my understanding and I think there's historical basis for this is that a lot of the Palestinian ideology was influenced very much by the Soviets, and that they and the Mufti. Uh, and the Mufti. Yeah, the Mufti, to a lesser extent, that's a different story, and there's also there obviously was tremendous anti-Semitism there. But the the uh, the current I'm saying from the 1960s when they started calling themselves Palestinians, the Mufti didn't have that. That was that was late. That was earlier. But the and he certainly you know influenced Hitler and uh, and and you know had a tremendous responsibility in the Holocaust. But the um, the Palestinian ideology and the nationalism uh, among the Palestinians, uh, I think, is is something that was really influenced more by the Soviets than. Uh, well, I'm talking about all the quotations, whether they're taken out of context or not, yeah. that view Jews as pigs and yeah. as, as subhuman. You know, quotations from the Quran and other places, using um, and also the idea of pointing. Uh, to the irreligiosity of the majority of Israeli Jews as a sign of how unworthy they are and how uh, you know how they have how they are disgraceful in terms of uh, representing being God's chosen people 
um, you know, this sort of argument that you consistently hear. It's echoed in some ways in the Zohar when the Zohar speaks about why, what is the schus that B'nai Yishmol have to have the Beis Hamikdash area and things like that that the Zohar writes about. Um, and, 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 and clearly, um, you know, the, in terms proportionately, I don't know, I, I haven't done a study uh, demographically, but I guess if you, this would be an interesting, you could probably find this on Google, if you would take the complete Islamic world and, 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 and come up with a number that represents basic religiosity in percentage, would it be greater there than, in, than among the whatever 15 or 17 million Jews in the world? In other words, of the let's, uh, I don't know what the number of Jews in the world is, but I think it's about 17 or 18 million. Maybe, maybe. Okay. Yeah. Right. So if there's about 17 or 18 million Jews, what percentage of them keep Shabbos, Kashrus, and let's say what's considered the, the core basics? And let's compare that to Islam. Um, do you think the numbers are greater? Um, Again, uh, uh, what do you mean by the cores? Because Islam a major part of it is that it's not all or nothing, which Yiddishkeit also isn't, but it's more or less kind of like the Rabbam says, Rav Zochius and Rav Choivus, like whatever, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a percentage game. Uh, that's how it's generally presented among Muslims. Is, is like if you have Rav Zochius and you go to Jinnah, if you go, you go to Gan Eden, and if you have Rav Choivus, you go to Jehinom. So it's not, uh, and it's, um, you know, the, the approach tends to be a little bit more primitive. Uh, you know, a lot of things are mashalim that many people, particularly the Salafi, tend to take things very literally. The Salafi are, are major literalists to the point where even they're, they're corporealists in, uh, in their theology, which is, it's not foreign to Yiddishkeit, but it's certainly not the Rambam's Yiddishkeit. It's certainly, and it's certainly not how Muslims were in the time of the Rambam. I, you know. Okay, I guess I, my point I'll try to make in a circuitous way yeah. is that is that Islamic people represent a a community that displays adherence to to their idea of of of, of religious commands and lives that life. And in many ways, does it in an exemplary fashion, with tzniyus, yeah. with avoda, with with tzedakah, with taking care of the community, and and, and, and I'll, be, I'll be honest, I'm jealous when I when I you know look at what the juma is on on Friday, and I look at you know whatever type of a Yiddish surah I try to put onto something to be makarv the in who are there, it, it, it seems like the Muslims have a much easier time to be makarv their own people into uh, conformity than they needn't have uh, in general, you know, and uh, it's, uh, it, and, and uh, I'm jealous, I would say, you know, like, I'm not, you know, if I, perhaps if I was somewhere like uh, Otisville, where everybody, you know, is more or less from and uh, things, it's a different type of, you know, it would be the same type of thing there, but as far as the, uh, as far as you know, the way the Eden who who I deal with are, and I'm doing cure of work, and I'm not, I'm you know, and it's it's uh, it's an uphill battle sometimes, you know. Yeah, I, I, well, I, again, it's I think another thing which I think we need needs to be commented on when we talk about the 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 black Muslims, um, uh, and again, you know, 
Israel sells a story too that there is no racism, that everybody's considered the same once they're Jewish. But you don't hear that from uh, the, the Jews that are sometimes called Balashas. You hear that there is a, a backlash, that there is a prejudice against the dark-skinned uh, Israeli Jews, uh, the Ethiopians. Um, do you find that, um, uh, from what you know, and of course, if your prison is, is mostly black Muslims, it's not going to be an issue. But do you find in general that there is this sense of camaraderie and uniformity that if you join join us in Islam, that there isn't this hierarchy of a dark-skinned or a white-skinned, you know, all Muslims, once you become Muslims. I mean, again, I remember the scene that uh, that Spike Lee uh, recreates or actually took from the Hajj. And you can see how it's really a... a a, a, a living rainbow of all different types of people from all over the world who are Muslim there, and they seem to all be equally accepted. Uh, and perhaps I'm, I'm, I'm perhaps I'm, I'm uh, overstating it, but I get that sense. I, I, I think the Hajj is, uh, to be honest, is an exception to the rule. It's the ideal. It's what Islam teaches, but it's not. It's not the. Um, it's not what takes place in the real world. Uh, I know even. Outside of prison work, you know, here in the, in Sullivan County, there's, I think at this time, one active mosque, which is mostly um, Albanian or um, another European. I think they're Albanian or or Bosnian, and the and we we knew someone at a doctor's office who was a member of that community, and she said that the the imam that they hired who was arabic uh kind of looked down on them because they weren't arabs so it's, all, it's almost like they're gayrim in other words the, the the real muslims are those that look like the ones who muhammad converted the ones who were from uh, the fertile crescent or from whatever uh from the, the, that section of the world but the even, Afri- even, even though they you know the these these European groups, they've been Muslim for a long time, uh, but they they kind of are are not as respected as, and the same thing I would say to a certain extent, again, it's not what they preach, it's not their ideal, just like we have, you know, Vyhaftam is, is such a tremendous mitzvah, but, you know, people in... People Vyhaftim, are people. Yeah, well... Yeah. And, and, and then even the people who want to make the mitzvah Vyhaftam is the mitzvah they tend to exotify gerim and think that it's you know that that the gear is some kind of a zoo animal it's not like uh right they treat them as which is what the gear really wants is to be just be treated like anyone else yeah and instead they're, they're like a lulav or a, or or uh you know oh this i get to do the mitzvah of you have to miss a gear with this person instead of looking at a human being so well, it's, uh, you know I, I think it's definitely a um perhaps as you say it's only maybe at the Hajj that that this comes out but clearly, it's a st- it's a statement that uh, of, of of the incredible success that Islam had. Now, of course, it came through the sword, and in many places where people died, and mil- and perhaps swaths of millions, I guess, if you look at the the total number. But um, you know, in many ways, Islam can make a case that it's a, a more that had been a more humane religion in some ways than Christianity had been. These two these two powers that sort of tried to conquer the globe. Um, and uh, and the way it spells itself out for yourself, I think, though, you, you are in agreement with me that it, it behooves all of us Jewish people, or probably most of the people listening to this program, 
to familiarize themselves more with the positive aspects of Islam um, and, and to not necessarily buy into um, this uh, sort of like demonized figure uh, that anyone who's you know, a Muslim go on the other side of the street. You never know. We have, we have so much in common. It would be ridiculous not to. We're, we're natural we're natural allies. We have, we have, our theology is almost, is practically identical. Our practices are, are, are very, very similar. You know, the only thing, you know, the one thing that I would say though, you know, and, and related to what we were discussing is that it's a little bit easier to be Muslim than to be Jewish. It's okay. not as daunting, you know, the, the five prayers a day, probably take less time than our daily davening again for a person who doesn't have a geschmack from it you know we should have a geschmack we shouldn't it shouldn't be a, a an oil a, bur- a burden it should be a geschmack but i'm just saying when when trying to be makar of someone and the reason why perhaps they're more matzliach is because it's a it's a little bit easier you know what i've heard i mean i've heard hamish eden say that you know that that you know lamaisa the the five for you know there, there was a story uh, about a girl who was uh, she had like a rebbish name, converting to to Christianity and 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 shmading publicly, uh, being baptized and and there was a Hamashid who who was commenting on this in Yiddish and he was discussing this and he said you know Lamaisa, it's a shvetzaynayid you know if if you're not if you don't have a good from it and 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 this uh, you know people think oh it's it's so hard to be Muslim you have to pray five times a day we have enough. He said, you know, he, he said himself, you know, he's also a Oifkaquertaid and he knew knew what he's talking about. And he said it's it, it's not it's not really that difficult, you know, the things and again also well, if you don't again do... I I just want to push back a little bit there. In terms of we know what the, the level of Tsnias that's demanded from the Muslim women, um it's not easy for someone who who's raised uh, in, in a Western culture and you know, in Western concepts of fashion and the way you, you should dress, the, the 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 strict Islamic way of dressing is is quite from. And um, oh, I would say for I would say for women to convert to Islam is 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 is, is a testament to to a higher recognition of the of what the human body is about and and how they should uh, how they should conduct themselves and find yeah, inner, yeah. inner 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 purity. We have a Victor Miller, he always used to say, we have to be at least as good as the best Goyim. And it's certainly, it's a, it's, it's a shtikla kitrig to see, to see that. But the truth is, again, it's not everybody who identifies as a Muslim necessarily keeps, particularly with those issues. I think we can, I, I have some ideas when we get to the, to the movies that's really a TV show. <laughs> All right, we're about to get there. You know what? Speaking of which, why don't we, as we... Um, but I, I wanted to make one more point, which I know you know, but I don't know if all the listeners understand how it works. The Whereas our calendar is, is a mix of a, a lunar and a solar calendar, and so we have uh, Ibrayor every couple of years, the Islamic calendar is not a set calendar. And so there, the when we have an Eber Europe, Ramadan goes back. I, I mean, obviously, we have Rish Chodesh, that's when they start their months. But they don't, it, when we have an Eber Europe, so like this year and last year, uh, Ramadan was ER, but next year, I believe it will be Nissan. I think it goes back 
I always get confused if it goes backwards or forwards, but uh, I, I believe I believe next year Nissan will be Ramadan. So it'll be very interesting for us in the prison dealing with Ramadan and Pesach and the uh, Jehovah's Witnesses and, and Easter and everything going on the same time. It's going to be uh, it's going to be Lebedic. Hopefully, hopefully, the calls will be made from Yerushalayim, and and and, and as as the Rambam says, there, there's going to be a lot of a lot of new gayrim as well. So let's get to the uh, let's get to the cinematic uh, portrayal of 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 Muslims, and and um, you know, uh, clearly one of the things we've been saying here is to 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 not demonize Muslims. And, you know, there have been a number of articles, Edward Said and others have written uh, about how Jewish owned Hollywood uh, has done its darndest to, 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 to portray Muslims as dirty and evil and um, hell bent on either destroying the world. And before that, of you know, taking over white women and, 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 you know, they, they have bemoaned the fact that there have not been, uh, more positive portrayals of Muslims in in films and in popular culture. Um, uh, I'll, 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 I'll even though I'm I, I'm generally the old movie guy. I'll start with the positive things that that I've seen. Uh, there was a TV show that I remember. I believe 2006. It was a a reality series called All American Muslim, and and there. You, I what the way I when I watched it, I said this, this is just like a Jewish community. It was a reality show about, uh, uh, it was a Shiite community in, in Michigan, and and what it's like, how their, their culture is, how their religion, and, and you had one woman who, could, didn't have children for a long time, so she was macabre on herself, to wear the hijab, meaning she didn't always do it. And she went to the imam and he said, you know, if you're makabal, this mitzvah, you know, of, of wearing the job, you'll be blessed with children. The same types of things that we see in our communities. And, 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 it, and, it, and it worked. She, uh, she, she, did have, she did have a baby, I guess, in that schus. And those types of things, uh, it just, it's so similar. And, and uh, you also had... Uh, a uh, a woman in Islam, you you uh, a man could marry a non-Muslim woman uh, uh, from the people of the book. A, a Muslim man could marry a Jew or Christian, but the woman cannot marry a non-Muslim. So then, it's that's it's very co- common for men to convert for marriage uh, in the Islamic communities, uh, where, because there's much more pressure to do so. It doesn't doesn't always happen. Uh, I mean, I know from my wedding ministries and and things like that, you know, what I deal with where uh, you see these types of things. Um, And I've performed weddings for for Muslim couples many, many times. Um, And sometimes you do find where the the groom is is Christian and and the bride is Muslim, but it's much more common to have a a Muslim uh, man and a, and a Christian woman. Um, but uh, regardless of that, they, uh, in this TV show, you had this case where, you know, a man, a regular Amer- all American white guy converting to Islam, you know, making the Shahada uh, and uh, the struggles that he had trying to keep Ramadan and all of the, and then another thing was uh, 
a woman in the community uh, talking about her career and the, how you know her, her mother is like, enough with this. You're going to get married. And she's like, I don't want to get married. And she was very religious with the hijab and everything. But she didn't, and her mother was like, what do you mean you're not getting married? And it was mamish like a Jewish community. You see this and they're like, you're looking in the face of a Jewish community. And what, what I compared that to was I remember there was a PBS documentary. This must have been, I'm thinking 2008, probably, or 2009, when I was the Rub in Richmond. There was a PBS documentary about the Jews in America and the history of the Jews in America. And there was a discussion group uh, at the PBS station. They invited me to come and a few others. And there was one like Muslim Askin who I knew in in Richmond. You know, he was always at all kinds of interfaith events and things. And he he described how he was watching this documentary. And his son said, "Why are you watching this? We're not Jewish." And he said to his son, "He said this is our story. We have to learn from the Jews how they became. They maintained their religion and they maintained their culture, but they became American." This is what we have to learn. We can learn from them that immigrant experience and being the second and third generation that we can still be Muslim, but we can also be American. We got to learn this from the Jews. And the the symbiotic relationship between these two uh, documentaries and and reality shows really, I think, uh, is quite... Well, you know, again, if you want to talk about things that are, are... Obviously, there's been a turn in the last 20 years. I think there was a program called Little Mosque on the Prairie. Uh, or, it was uh, a sitcom, I think. Yeah. Right. And that was set in, in Canada where, you know, there was a small town and they were in, in Saskatchewan and they were getting a, a new imam was coming. And um, I think many of these programs have done a lot uh, to to give over Islamic characters in a way that are more, much more nuanced and in a much more understanding fashion. Um, and, and, and I think that, you know, you know Saeed is obviously a, a, a ribald anti-Semite. I mean, he's, he's, he's on record for really terrible, terrible statements. But I think when we talk about old Hollywood, we have to remember um, that, you know, Hollywood was always into um, grotesque, stereotypes you know and 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 every character you know needed to you needed to telegraph what they were about most films did not have the nuance uh, uh to be able to uh to appeal to in a global way so you definitely had characters that even were when they did even when they did there was so much ignorance Right. Well, and, 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 and there was also this, this, you know, again, you know, I, I think about the first, in my recollection, you know, I remember a number of Islamic characters, whether they were called Muslim or not, uh, they were, they were seen as seedy and untrustworthy. Um, I think that um, David Lean's um, uh, Lawrence of Arabia um, uh, was uh, was a, a corrective. It, of course, it glorified the life of uh, T.E. Lawrence, um, played by Peter O'Toole, but it also featured, of course, Anthony Quinn and Omar Sharif uh, as, as 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 people as Muslims and um, portraying them in a, in a way that spoke to their strength and their nobility. Um, and uh, you know, I think that that's where we, we started to see a turn. Uh, but I would, uh, but, uh, but as, as Lawrence of Arabia is 
even a movie fan like yourself has never seen it because of how long and incredibly um, massive it is as a film. But I would suggest um, to see John Reese Davies's turn as Sala, who is Indiana Jones's guide somewhat and uh, a little bit of a tricky fellow to to get right. But you know he's a good guy, and he helps Indy, as he calls him, in his task, of course, to find the Aranakaitish. I, I can't believe you haven't seen in the, uh, the the Raiders of the Lost Ark. Oh yeah, uh, no, absolutely. Yeah. Okay, I want to tell you again. I'm quite older than you. And I want to tell you that for years, I did not go to films at all. People are going to say, I can't believe that, Kibalevich. You, you Movies are spatting out of your lips, you know, more than my Mori Chazal. So how can this be? But there was a tkufa, I guess, from the time I was uh, about 16 till the time I was, um, I think, 21. I did not go to any movies. Um, I... I, I... I think I was in the same boat, and it might have been even longer. And then, but I no, didn't. I think it was also probably sixteen to twenty-one that right, I. So I didn't go to any movies at all, and I didn't know what was going on with movies because it was Oscar and this. And then I was learning in the Mir Yeshiva, and I don't know how, but I read a review. Was maybe I was in the bathroom and I read the paper, and I read a review of of Raiders: The Lost Ark. So I remember it was a Sunday. And I was finishing up Morning Seder. And I went over to someone who's now a Choshebarov in Brooklyn and has a big, has a very important uh, steller. And I went over to him and I said, I said, we have to go see Raiders now. And he said, So we borrowed a car from another friend. We drove all the way out. We didn't want to go in Brooklyn. We drove all the way in Sunrise Highway. I don't know if you know the Sunrise Cinemas. All the way out there on the Belt Parkway, where the Belt Parkway hits the uh, Sunrise Highway. We went like, and and this was, this sort of was like I popped, you know, my my bubble of no more movies. And what was the movie that I went to that sort of like, uh, that ended my, my, my Ramadan was Raiders of the Lost Ark. And it was like, wow, you know? And of course, this was a film that was a throwback to the Saturday morning serials of just a lot of adventure and fighting, but done in a, in the high tech way of the, of, of, of the 80s with Spielberg. And um, um, we talked about Harrison Ford being a Jew, but of course, he's after the, he's after the, the 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 Aranakaidish itself and the Kruvim, which end up, of course, uh, I'm not spoiling this for anybody, <laughs> which end, you know the the Nazi uh, uh, you know the Nazis guy puts on the big day Kayan Gadol, you remember? <laughs> yeah, sure. And uh, and however, who's Indy's guide is a Muslim, David Reese, you know John Reese Davies who plays Salah, and um, and you know it's understood that he's of course a a positive character and and i think this really you know this really lends us to this idea you know that you know reese davies is a welsh actor uh, he, he he he's you know he does a lot of voice work and it, it was normal for someone who like reese davies or peter ustinov who we've mentioned before uh, and others who to play all different types of uh, nationalities and characters. Um, uh, Alec Guinness, we mentioned him, of course. He played uh, the, the stolid uh, uh, English colonel in The Bridge in the River Kwai, but he also, of course, played the Japanese um, uh, fellow who, as I, the film that I introduced you to, right? The majority of one, I think. Um, 
So the idea of, of character actors assuming uh, ethnic identities, uh, Peter Lorre, of course, a Jew playing all different types, including Muslims as in, in the Maltese Falcon, playing Joel Cairo, um, it, was, it was sort of understood. Um, you know, you had real, you know, George Chakiras winning an Oscar uh, playing Nardo in West Side Story. And of course, he wasn't, uh, George Chakiras was Greek. He had nothing to do with being a, uh, uh, he in no way, shape or form was a Latino, right? And here he was, you know, playing a Puerto Rican uh, fellow and, and winning an Oscar for it. And um, things have changed, really. Again, this is, today, it, it, it would be, the biggest chilul for for someone, uh, you know, uh, to 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 be assuming the role of a of 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 of, of, of a, um, a a nationality or of a race, quote unquote, that they don't really represent. It's it's yeah. a, it's it's. it's and this to me is, is, is astonishing in some ways, right? <laughs> I, I mean, it's, it's, it, it, and, and when you have a, a well-established show like The Simpsons, where we've been, we've known these characters for 30 years, and now you cannot have a, a white actor playing a, playing a black role, you know, where, where he's been, the same voice actors have been doing these roles for 30 years, and now we got to... And I would say Dr. Hibbert is a, an amazing example of, yeah, he's black, but he's just as loony as everybody else, right? Yeah. He's just as fickle. You know, he doesn't have to be the black idiot, and he's also not the black saint. He's just right. another one of the goofballs who live in Springfield. Uh, yeah. and, 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 and it was, it was really a character that was, that was beyond racial. Right. So, I mean, he, you know, he was obviously based on on Cliff Huxtable. You know, that was the. I understand. Of, I understand. But but he but he didn't have any of Cosby's mannerisms. Right. But he was also he was also a post. But but Cosby's character was, in a sense, a post racial character. And we've we, we've got to a point where that's not acceptable anymore. And I, in a way, I almost feel like the the world has rejected Martin Luther King and, and embraced the pre-Hodge uh, uh, Malcolm X, more uh, his ideology, where it, there's this idea of separatism. You, it's almost, uh, you know, you have colleges where you have to, you have uh, black only, all kinds of, yeah, basically. Have well, you know what it was? Uh, you know, I think there's also the information um, uh, mania. Did anybody really know growing up in the 60s where I was who the voices of the super friends were? You know what I'm saying? Right, <laughs> you know, right. you know, again, a cartoon is a cartoon. Mel Blank did every voice in the right. right? He, he did Pepe Le Pew and he did, um, you know, and he did um, Elmer and he did uh, Foghorn Leghorn. Right. So did any, you know, would anybody have, is, is, is Mel Blank part of a racist uh, ideology? Because, you know, here he was, you know, you know, playing all these different types of characters, you know, and um, how dare some Jew from Brooklyn, you know, assume the, the, the role of, uh, of, of Speedy Gonzalez, right? Yeah. Um, and the, um, yeah. I, I think, by the way, Pepe Le Pew, I think they are, they are, they are um, canceling Pepe Le Pew, yeah, he's right? Canceled. Yeah, yeah, because he was supposed to be in the new Space Jam movie, and he was, and he was supposed to get his comeuppance. He was really going to, he was going to get a big smack for all his for all his Me Too stuff, and instead of doing that, he'd just been canceled. Like he he probably was going to get his just desserts and learn his lesson, 
and instead they they figured they they just better to cancel him. Look, I don't was... deny the fact that 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 Hollywood has and we you know has definitely demeaned Muslims and other races and have have, have turned them into cookie cutter uh, constructs. And I also believe that there is that there is a um, an inequality in terms of hiring. Uh, that's definitely true. Um, and, 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 and people of talent should be able to get jobs based on their talent. Um, yeah. but, but to, to, you know, the, the, the anger that is unleashed, what's con- at, at, at the, at, at even the idea of someone who, you know, who is voicing a character, for example, an Asian character. Right. And again, this, of course, is where Hollywood supposedly was was involved in its worst crimes. Uh, Warner Olin playing uh, Charlie Chan um, and, and and Peter Lorre uh, playing Mr. Moto. Um, you know, Boris Karloff as the uh, Fu Manchu. The, the, Fu Manchu. That was really bad. It was hard. I mean, it's a fun movie, but it's a it's horribly racist. And also the the. Uh, the uh, the stereotypes they're brought there are just totally inaccurate. He he's uh, invoking Hindu gods uh, when he's obviously Chinese, and it's uh... but, but 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 that but that existed along with Paul Muni's The Good Earth, right? Here we have Paul Muni, this great Yiddish actor, right, yeah. playing a Chinese character. You know, in The Good Earth, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, sure. And and you know, and of course he played the you know he uh, Muni could be anybody, right? He was able to uh, he was an incredible mimic to be able to to talk like anyone, you know, whether it was Emile Zola, a Frenchman, or um, you know the the, the Irish um, uh, worker that he played in um, uh, the Irish coal miner that Muni played, right? He was right, but but did people say how dare this this actor play this? Um, uh, yeah, some. I mean, not only that, but to a certain extent, you know, people felt an honor that that they were being represented at all, as opposed to the offense that, you know, meaning Al Jolson was a hero to the African American community for appearing in blackface, and it wasn't. And uh, well, I'm not, African- that statement, I guess, needs a little bit of of of, of fine tuning. But uh, I, I can't believe I, I know that the, that that blackface was not universally hated, but it definitely was something that 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 was was an embarrassment in in, in, in many African American communities. That there no, were absolutely. White- but it, it was it what it, 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 the offense that it is today. It's not what it was in that time. The times have changed. It's not the and, and I and I don't I don't disagree that it's wrong today. You know, but it wasn't wrong in the 1920s when Al, uh, people did it in a wrong way in the 1920s. But I'm just saying Al Jolson wasn't being racist right, by right. doing this. So, so therefore, the question now is, change, do, again, there's the change for today, which is in the extreme. And there's also the excisement or cancellation or, you know, crossing out the past and you know, only screening films like Gone with the Wind and other films like that, only when, as TCM did recently, where it can be screened in a way where, you know, you, you could have talking heads talk about all the racist, terrible ugliness of the film uh, beforehand, which I guess is a sort of, you know, look, it, it, it's much more important for people who are in the Tzitzit and the Sivas. Oh, yeah. 
but if, if if nobody if people stop watching Gone with the Wind, I'm not going to lose an ounce of uh, you know an iota of sleep over that. But, mm-hmm. but I think the idea that where we're heading is an idea where uh, a lot of those 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 films and and portrayals are going to be not only with an asterisk next to it, they're going to be rubbed out completely. As yeah. as as and and again, as, as far as great portrayals, of just to end off here, you know, in terms of 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 in the Muslim world, I think we probably need to say, and I think this probably jives even with 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 the with with the, I know it's African Muslims, but the Moor, of course, Othello. Yeah, yeah. You know, you know, and and and, and I have to say that you know, although uh, you know. I'm going to throw two Othellos in, and I know, knowing your predilection, I, I don't. Did you see Orson Welles' Othello? You I wanted seen. to. I haven't seen it. No, okay. I'll be able to. Okay, but you should. If you don't, you should see that. And I, I'm going to mention that as a Muslim film because it features, of course, the Moor. Um, and and again, here's another case where it's in blackface, as you know, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, all, all the great English actors that played Othello played it with charcoal on their face. Um, right. You know, um, uh, Larry Fishburne, uh, who of course was in Apocalypse Now before he was ever in the uh, the Matrix. Uh, you know, was famous in a where where he did Othello on Broadway, and someone's cell phone rang, and Larry Fishburne uh, broke character and and gave it to that that person in the audience uh, during his performance of Othello. Um, you think, you know, you think Ophelia got it. The person whose cell phone went off really got it from, from Othello that night. But I would also suggest if you are into Othello, the uh, two other films, one of them, of course, is Ronald Coleman's Oscar turn in um, uh, A Double Life. And uh, don't, t- uh, don't tell me you're not familiar with this film. It doesn't it doesn't ring a bell right here. Okay, so it, it was a film that might have marked the um, first sort of starring appearance of, of another Jewish actress, uh, Shelley Winters. Oh, sure. So Shelley Winters was sort of a you know considered a very uh, attractive you know exotic femme fatale at the time, and 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 Ronald Coleman is a is a Shakespearean actor who. Uh, fuses with the with Othello, and he becomes, in a sense, so uh, taken by this role that that his, his the two parts of his life fuse together, and um, mm-hmm. he, he he turns murderous uh, uh, it, it, without real without realizing what's going on. So that is a uh, a great uh, Othello film as well that I think is um, is worthwhile. And the other Othello, you know, as a uh, <laughs> um, is a, a great Miriam Hopkins vehicle from 1936 called "Men Are Not Gods," and um, it, it's a it's it's it, it it you know Miriam Hopkins was a, a Georgia belle who was turned out to be one of the uh, you know in her time one of the most versatile important stars in Hollywood. And she plays an English uh, uh, secretary. Uh, here uh, to perfection and who falls in love with an actor 
who's playing Othello. Um, and she actually saves this actor from ruin by writing a good, by rewriting a good review. In other words, this actor was very nervous the first time he played Othello in London, and the uh, theater critic for this paper was going to trash his performance. And um, Miriam Hopkins' character is approached by uh, the actor's wife, begging him, begging her to do whatever she can to change the review. And she, on her own, changes the review and writes it in a positive way, which then rockets this person to great fame. Meanwhile, she becomes very frachapped by, by this actor and what he represents. And it's really a great study of pre-war England, of class struggle and, and, and situations, done in a real tasteful, not over-the-top way. Again, again, Miriam Hopkins went to England to make this film. And I don't know if you agree with me, because I know you're a big fan of, of, of a lot of the, the, the Hammer and the horror films and, and Val Luton and, and other things that were made in the United States. But I think there was uh, in the, the, the British filmmaking of the, the pre-World War II era was, I, and even a couple of years afterwards, was noted for how restrained it was. And in many That's ways, easy. in many ways, more realistic, you know, to the, you know, the, the dream factory uh, that was going on. So I think this film really talks about, you know, it doesn't say much about uh, Muslims, but it definitely tells you a lot about probably the most famous Muslim character <laughs> of all time, which of course is Shakespeare's the Moor himself, Othello, and someone who, just like our Muslims that we're talking about, you know, were manipulated and need to be understood and not be hated. Um, and uh, my wife just reminded me of a movie, uh, a Jewish movie about a, a friendship between a Muslim girl and a Jewish yeah, It was actually filmed right here where I'm sitting here. It was filmed in Elizabeth, New Jersey. I know that film, right? It's called The Rain. Yeah, yeah, okay. It was it was filmed in the JEC, which is the building I just gave a shear in a couple of hours ago. Wow. <laughs> and uh, sure, it was filmed here in Elizabeth. And um, uh, some of the... Uh, which is also a, a film that, that, that stresses the... Um, the uh, similarity between uh, the uh, um, uh, your wife might remember, of course, the Jewish family is 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 not portrayed too realistically. Do you remember? Yeah, I remember. I saw the movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't remember who played the father, the girl, the girl's father, but I'm not sure if it was, you know. And again, you wonder today if that film could have been made because I'm not, I'm not sure, you know. <laughs> yeah. It seems. I'll just end with this. It seems that all this identity appropriation doesn't apply to us, right? Last week we talked about John Torturo, you know, playing a rabbi. Did anybody raise their voice in in, in protest? How can how can you have an Italian American playing a Jew, right? Um, They always did. (laughs) And so it it does seem to be a woke double standard that's going on over here. And, um, and and I am in no way uh, 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 countenancing, countenancing, and, and and commending the idea of 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 negating people's representation. But you know, the fury should be should be equal, right? You know, yeah. uh, they're, they're, you should realize it's only TV. It's only a movie, right? And, and, yeah. and, and it's, what's really the message from it? You know, we mentioned last week, Peter Falk, you know, 
playing, you know, Peter Falk was a, born and raised a Jew, and, and yet his most famous character, of course, is Italian. And, you know, the Italians love him, right? So, yeah. you know, I, I think sensitivity and understanding is what is called for. And an actor is an actor, right? It, it really shows how far we are. Let's try to change the real world. And, and that worries I, so much. I don't know how many people are really buying into that and how many people, how much it's just the, an agenda that's being pushed, to be honest. I, I, I don't, I don't know. Maybe, I, maybe I'm so estranged from quote unquote, the real world living in a rural area where most people agree with me uh, and these types of things. And uh... again, I, I, so much attention is paid to mass media and, and, and film. I mean, we wasted, you know, uh, a lot of time here. But it's all Irish guy. Look, yeah. do I care that Rod Steiger plays a Jew in the pawnbroker and the chosen? Okay, good. Okay, good. So somebody you know, now yeah, again, people cool. say the Jews. There's there's always been plenty of roles for Jewish actors. Yeah, um, but, but they never play Jewish roles. Very rarely. I mean, not never. But I'm just saying it's not. Uh, you know, they're not being represented. It's not being. Uh, I you know my, one of my favorite shows is Mystery Science Year three thousand and the. Uh, the theme song says, repeat to yourself, it's just a show, I should really just relax. Like, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. and people, so I people think that's a, a very important message. And, and, and again, I think that if we are going to try to work towards tolerance, we can't allow the symbols of culture around us, especially lowbrow stupidity, or even if it's considered art house cinema culture, affect us so much that we, that we, 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 we allow, we, we, we proclaim this endemic terrible you know racism and 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 put that everywhere we've got to work on 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 issues and problems and and i and and i think a lot of it is is projection as well like there is there is a lot of latent racism within these people who are calling everything racist uh, both historically and and well i think we've gone into perhaps (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> something which is sort of topic for another time wishing all our our our, our dear jewish friends of course a a a if you are celebrating tonight yom Zikaron, a solemn and important and meaningful yom Zikaron, a yom atzmaut that uh that that is a yom atzmaut that uh should hopefully be the simonim of the geula happening very very soon and if we happen to get some uh some islamic friends listening to our ramadan show then I, I hope that the fasts are easy and meaningful and, and bring towards a, 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 a true restoration of, uh, of a planet that's united in peace. Yeah, they say Ramadan Mubarak. This is like <laughs> Mubarak. But I'll, I'll, I'll tell you something that happened today, very interesting in the prison, that I, I kind of saw. And I didn't want to correct my, the person who this happened with the... We, you know, our imam can't come in because of Corona. They're not letting anyone, any contract chaplains come in. And we, uh, and we have a big mental health unit in, in Waymart. And we also have people who are physically unwell. And one of the mentally ill inmates, pretty much our, our, we have a Catholic deacon who's our full-time chaplain. And he's pretty much done everything for Ramadan. And for years he's been doing it. But he really did pretty much all the work for Ramadan, and the it came up that one of our mentally ill inmates 
he's fasting today, the first day, and he's uh, diabetic and he can't fast and he's not allowed to fast. And how did he wind up fasting? He shouldn't have been fasting. So, so the 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 deacon went up and you know told him, you know, you don't, you shouldn't be fasting, and we'll still let you participate in the feast and the eid. You're you're doing what you got to do. And then he had a very Catholic approach of saying to him, you know, you don't have to necessarily, you know, you should eat all your meals, but maybe give something like kind of like giving up something for Lent. He's like, you know, just don't don't uh, eat extra food, you know, commissary food, you know, that's how you can fast for Ramana, which in uh, Sharia that really wouldn't that wouldn't fly. But the fact that he had that heart uh, ministerially to kind of, uh, you know, it's sort of similar to him. similar to what the post uh, post in nineteenth century uh, pushed in terms of stopping the sigufin. Uh, that had been so common among uh, pietists, and to suggest that, as I think it says, as you can see in the Mishabura and Tufkuf Pei, Tufkuf Ayin Beis, I believe, or Tufkuf Ayin, you can see about being the Mayat, he brings from the Mogan Avram, brings from Sifrei Musar, eat less at every meal, you know, especially if you're a Talmud Zolchem, eat less and, 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 and realize that the main thing, of course, is the dedication. Yes, it's definitely quite, uh, again, it's a laudatory on many levels. The, the the diabetic who felt he wanted to be Makadish himself, and of course the the the, the priest who who did his best to to have to show that type of cultural but sensitivity. He was, he was kind of taking from his own culture, from his own ideas of of. I understand. It's I caught it. It's like, I think if we keep on going here, it's going to be. Uh, I think we're going to get to the Eid. So I think we got it. <laughs> we're almost there. All right. Maybe the second one. The second <laughs> one is for the Kedis Yitzchok. It's the. All right. Be well. Take care, everybody. See you on the see you on the other end, everyone. Be well. Yeah. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode. 